Welcome to Midpoint, OCC's midweek podcast aimed at helping you connect with last week's message and prepare you for next week's sermon. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Midpoint. Pastor James here. I'm joined by Pastor Brenton. Midpoint is your midweek connection to Orchards Community Church. And we're going to talk about the sermon from last weekend. Pastor Brenton walked us through truly the beginning of Acts chapter 13. Lots of stuff going on. Intro to Paul's first missionary journey. Follow up, as you mentioned, I I thought very accurately, really to Acts chapter 11, not Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 12, where we're seeing all those changes. And so this introduces for us this anchored series. We're switching from focusing on Peter's ministry to focusing on Paul's ministry. You made the the note very quickly that this is also a change from Saul to Paul, yep. which occurred in this passage. And also probably your last sermon here ever because... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw it in there somewhere. I'm just kidding, folks. Britain's fine. Job security is really good. Like the Seahawks joke yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he was afraid it was all over because he was a little pointed. And No, good, good stuff. Very, very excited about walking through it. We did have some great questions and some stuff that I think made take a little time to walk through. So this is different for us. Normally you ask the questions and I get to to chime in, but today I get to ask all the fun questions yeah. and hear what you've got going on. But there's some, and, and again, man, we just encourage you, send questions in. If you've got stuff that you would love to hear and follow up on, this is one of our favorite things to do, is yeah. just to kind of dive through them. But Yeah. And if you're if you are hearing this and, and you, this has been a blessing to you, like feel free to share it as well. Um, there's ways that you can share, you know, from whatever podcast platform you listen to. Make sure you share that and, and just maybe bless somebody else. Amen. I love it. Well, the first question that came up is actually mine, and I don't know that it was a question so much as I really appreciated the way that you articulated something, and I wrote it down as I was taking notes. But you said uh, that fasting is akin to regularly denying ourselves. Yeah. That was basically like the definition, which I had not thought about the the practicality of how personal that was. And I've, I've fasted from food and I've fasted from other things, mm-hmm. social media and things like that. But always just in my head, I think I, I viewed it, I don't know, incorrectly, but too small. And my thought was just, well, fasting is giving something up. I'm just going to mm-hmm. give this thing up. And, and I give it up for God's glory. But I hadn't really thought about what it is, especially with food, because man, I love me some food. It's it's really the act of denying myself something that I would enjoy yeah. <laughs> so that God can take the place. Scripture talks about God being our portion, God being enough. Yeah. And I, I struggle with that concept sometimes because yeah. I'm like, if God's enough, then how come I'm not feeling full, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Of of whatever thing it is. But but again, and we talk about this every week. I try to throw it in a sermon. We talk about it a lot in staff times. Are we denying ourselves? Yeah. Are are, are we willing to die to ourselves? So was there anything was that an epiphanous moment for you? Was there something big where you yeah. like? Hey. I, I think it probably was. Uh, honestly, uh, I've I've always kind of just as as I was thinking through that question, I've always kind of looked at it that way, mm-hmm. of just no, you're going to say no to yourself on this thing, yeah. like no, I'm not going to eat breakfast and lunch or dinner or whatever. I'm going to say no to that. So it's like I'm denying myself. Yeah. Um. And and I guess that's just how I've always viewed it, just like you've always used it as as giving something up. Yeah. I think it's it can be two sides of the same coin. Um, I, I guess not that you've done this, but I think if we sometimes think, oh, I'm giving this up for God, mm-hmm. I'm doing God a favor. Yeah. I'm giving this up for him so that he will bless me. Whereas this other one is like, no, I, I, I'm willingly getting rid of certain things so that I am forced to look at God. Like I'm doing this so that I can point myself to God. Yeah. 
um, kind of thing is what I've always kind of viewed it as. No, I, I appreciate it. It just broadened the thought for me. I, and I remember thinking as, as you were preaching it, I, I had a situation years ago, I was leading a group of folks on a Young Life trip and we were climbing a mountain and, and one of our volunteer leaders who was there just for the camp trip, she was the sister of one of our leaders, but we needed an extra female leader. And she was on the mountain and, and kids were kind of struggling. It's a, a little bit of a hike to get up mm-hmm. the mountain. And she was like, kind of, you know, it was the drill sergeant deal. She's like sitting there yelling at kids, God needs you to do this. And I was like, chill, chill, chill. (laughs) God doesn't need us to do anything for him. He's pretty much got it covered. Yeah. But it was this idea of, you know, if if in fasting, that's our deal. Well, I got to give this up because that's the thing that brings God glory. No, God is wanting me to say no to myself. Yeah. Which is really the bigger picture. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, I just I hadn't put two and two together in that. So I appreciated very much the way well, God had you frame that. <laughs> well, when you said like deny, you know, how I phrased it, you know, denying ourselves, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's the connection. Like it didn't even <laughs> dawn on me too. So it had to be a God thing. Well, so way to be obedient. Yeah. <laughs> I swear. Well, let's move forward. Several other questions. Good stuff. And one of these, uh, goodness, we, we could spend a lot of time talking about this, but the question kind of came out, what's the difference between seeking honest truth that you mentioned versus, and I think the way you phrased it was hearing your opinion in other voices. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this a lot, and it seems like especially in the, the news media and, and mainstream media, like if you believe in one ideology, you listen to these yeah. networks, and if you believe in the other, you listen to these, but then you never the twain shall meet. Like you don't cross over yeah. Yeah. and ever listen to someone who would have a divergent view. You just want to hear the thing that you believe, but you want to hear it in somebody else's voice. So to you, what's what's the difference there? What what, what would it take to really go, well, I got to get out of that box yeah. and start seeking where the truth is? And where do you see that play out? Now, I mean, we already mentioned the news, but I mean, like, is that theological? Is that, where, where does that play out for you? Yeah. Um, I always feel like I go back to my, my you know, LDS Mormon upbringing. Yeah. Um, I was kind of, I, I didn't want to just ask it, but I wanted to, yeah. Yeah. Th- there's always this, I mean, when I grew up in that faith, Mm -hmm. it was very much listening to your opinion and other people's voices. It was, don't look at, at, you know, the naysayers, don't look at this, don't look at that. You know, this is the truth, so stick with it. And they had the perception of, at least I was taught, that you don't do that because you don't want to confuse yourself. You don't want to be led astray. And um, as I got out of it, and now I'm, I'm trying to read books, I'm trying to um, talk to people that have differing opinions. Uh, I, I remember I had a, a, a friend who just viewed things completely differently than me. Um, she was on a different political side. Um, there's a lot of things that we struggled with theologically together, but we were really good friends. We still are really good friends. Yeah. But having to kind of wrestle with that and go, well, I, I like you, you know, you're, you're a really good friend of mine, really good friend of my family, but we differ on these things that I kind of saw as like set in stone. But being able to just understand their perspective helped me in my perspective. It was a different voice. It was a different opinion, but it wasn't the same opinion. And so what that did was either help me realize why I believe what I believe or on some things to kind of go, oh, okay, I've never seen it that way. I've never seen it from that perspective. Um, So that's how it's kind of played out in my life. I try to read books that aren't just, you know, my category of theology or even my, my comfort level. Um, and I, I just try to do that regularly because if I'm going to grow, why wouldn't I hear different opinions? If I'm going to talk to somebody about Jesus, I'm not going to only talk to Christians about Jesus. I'm going to talk to atheists. I'm going to talk to Muslims. I'm going to talk to, you know, the, the gamut of people. 
And so if you're only hearing your own perspective, you're not going to be prepared to present an answer oh, sure. um, for the hope that's within you. I, I think there's tons of wisdom in that, but I think there's a reality. You're swimming upstream in, in just the way that we view that anymore. Um, everything can become so divisive. Everything leads to a fight. And to avoid the fight, we just don't even go there. Yeah. Uh, I've mentioned uh, several times, I know here on the podcast too, my favorite TV show of all time was The West Wing, mm -hmm. uh, which I, th I thought was brilliantly written, brilliantly acted. I don't agree with the politics so much in it, but it was so smart, you know, that you're yeah. able to kind of get by it. And, and I truly think they were pushing buttons and pushing the envelope. And, and in one episode, I remember it was a Democratic president, Democratic uh, control of the White House at the time, but he hired as a lead counsel or, or White House counsel or whatever, hired this really smart Republican girl mm -hmm. and like she was going to turn down the job she's like why would i you know want to do that and the chief of staff for the president said the president likes really smart people who disagree with him because it's good yeah <laughs> to talk to people who disagree with you exactly and who are very smart and and it's not then it doesn't become a shouting match and i mean one of the biggest fears on that always is, i think especially theologically is what becomes a debate and i've got to win because if i don't win then you win and if you win, you're right and I'm wrong. And we get into yeah. this as opposed to can we just have a dialogue where here's why I believe what I believe and here's why you believe what you believe. And if they both point to Scripture and it's just our different interpretations of Scripture, we can probably get along. We can, mm -hmm. we can probably kind of walk along. Uh, and obviously we talk about this often. If there's salvation issues, you may have to say, hey, that's a bridge too far and I can't go there. Obviously with your background, LDS and everything, there are things you're like, well, I'm just not going to be in that camp. Yeah. But still, to be able to, to hear from somebody why they believe that gives you the ability to say, and here's why I don't believe that. Yeah. And I think we can do that a lot more civilly than, than we do anymore. Yeah. And it's like I say, some of those things are hot button issues. I get it. But are, are we willing to hear from smart people who disagree with us? Yeah. Well, if you look at the body of Christ, mm -hmm. there's so much diversity. And I think that's intentional. Like, I think God doesn't want a bunch of robots that think exactly the same um, because, I mean, as I said a little bit later, like some people have burdens that I don't have and I have a burden that other people don't have. You know, we see things differently because God wants to use us differently in different areas. And so if we're, if we're only sticking with our tribe, then we're never really growing because we're just kind of regurgitating the same thing. I, I don't remember where I read it because I know I didn't come up with it myself, but I stole it somewhere. But the idea, truly, God gets the greatest glory when there's unity in diversity. God wouldn't get a whole lot of glory if there's unity in what's yeah, already unified. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like you're like, well, that's that's really not that hard. Mm -hmm. you know? God's bigger than that. God can bring about unity from wildly diverse yeah. opinions, and that's when He gets the greatest glory because He's moving us towards what real truth is. I think. So, yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciated that you, that you mentioned it and, and kind of tried to talk people through it. Because again, that's an area that we're practically struggling with for sure. Yeah, and I would say that if we're if we're seeking truth, uh, and if we're kind of debating whether or not that you know to answer the question, what's the what's the difference? If we're seeking truth, that truth needs to glorify God. Sure, and it needs to point us to living for Jesus, and it needs to be biblical. Um, and and I think if we are seeking after those things, not our own self, but but what God wants in our lives, glorifying God then there's going to be things that kind of rub us the wrong way because we're all, you know, none of us are Jesus, none of us are perfect. <laughs> so we're going to be uncomfortable, but God can lead us through that and lead us to a place where we can kind of grow and, and yeah. learn about him a little bit more. Yeah. No, that's that's well said. Good job. 
All right. Uh, this one's fun. Gosh, it seems like a seven-part question, but there, there was so much going on because of the question series that you worked through, which I thought was really good. Am I like mm-hmm. Mark? Am I like LMS? Am I like Paul? Because I want to be like Christ, and these guys are, are moving that direction. But yeah. the, the question kind of became... How do you do all of it? You know, mm-hmm. and you kind of, you know, I, I really liked the concept of introducing. Am I pushing people towards Christ, or am I pulling people away from Christ? But the question came out: How do we build margin in our lives? Mm-hmm. Like, if I want to follow hard after God, but I've got a job, I'm raising kids, I got a hobby, I got the, you know, how do I build margin in my life to be able to stay anchored? Because that's the thing that will allow me to serve. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that should draw me into a deeper relationship. And and, and so then if just like God called Paul and sent him on these journeys, Paul was able to go. Yeah. And and I've heard I've heard this, I've seen this, and it's a struggle because we talk about it a ton, desiring to have people serve in the yeah. body. And it's not just, hey, Brenton needs somebody on stage to play bass, although you do, you yeah. know, but it truly is, hey, somebody has a gift. Mm-hmm. And so do they have enough margin in their life to be able to serve in that way? Will yeah. they stay anchored? I had a, a friend of mine, good friend, uh, who was in the church where God had me on staff back in Missouri, and there was an opportunity to teach a Sunday school class, and he'd talked a zillion times about, man, that'd be something I'd really like to do sometimes. Yeah. And so this opportunity came up, and I went to him. I was like, hey, would you want to do this? And, oh, I'm so busy. There's no way I could, you know. And he mm. lived his life too full. Yeah. You know, and, and I read a great book years ago. Um, who wrote that book? Terry Swenson. Uh, can't, but it was about margin. I can't remember the title of the book. But it really was, man, if you would schedule your life at like 85% margin instead of 105. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then if an opportunity came up and somebody came and said, hey, you want to lead a Bible study? You want to teach a class? And it's something you'd always wanted to do, you'd be able to say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to do that. I'm open to that opportunity. Yeah. As opposed to being scheduled at 105 and you're like, there's no way on yeah. earth that I can do that. Yeah. I just, my heart hurts for people who can't do that. So th- there's a lot of questions in there, but but I guess that's the start. How do you build that margin so you can yeah. go out and do the things God wants you to do? Do you have a, a great answer? Um, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at it myself. <laughs> I literally had this conversation with my wife. No, I stink at that too. Yeah, we're all in the same boat together. Um, I literally had this conversation with my wife and and we were talking about stuff and I was like, man, this is just a busy season for me at work. There's a lot of stuff going on. I have events I'm planning and, and um, you know, worship sets and then I got, you know, the, the family service at the end. And so there's a lot of things going on. I'm like, and then Christmas is right down the street. And so it's just, and she was like, well, that's kind of how you operate. All the like time. you're a, uh, she's like, when you don't have stuff on your plate, you just start reaching for things to mm. fill your plate. And then you're like, my plate's full. And I'm like, yeah, would you look I, at that? <laughs> my <laughs> plate's full again. <laughs> Dang it. How did we get here? <laughs> Who put this on here? <laughs> and so I'm not very good at this yeah. of building margin. Um, and so I, I, I would hate to, to come across as like, oh, I figured this out. This yeah. is how I do it. Um, but if I were to instruct myself, which is what I have to do, is I, one, I have to be able to say no. I have to learn how to say no to things because I'm I'm kind of a people pleaser. I know that probably doesn't come out of my personality a lot. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first thing. <laughs> yeah. <anyway. laughs> yeah. But I like I want to help people. I want to to be there. And so I will want to say yes. And what happens is I say yes to a bunch of things and then I but it's things that I should really say no to, but I'm already committed or stuff like that. So I need to be able to say no to certain things and I need to make room, not just find time, but make time um, 
to 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 you know have that eighty five percent capacity, but then leave that fifteen for God, and and it's it's a it's a trusting thing for me, of you know I need to trust God that this fifteen percent will be used by Him, yeah. because I'm not gonna not provide for my family. I'm not going to not, no, no, yeah. you know, all of those things. Like You're not the, shirking those responsibilities. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the have-tos are going to get taken care yeah. of, but God is going to cover the rest. And just to be patient, maybe before opportunities present themselves or as opportunities present themselves, like, hey, let me just pray about this. Let me talk to, you know, I talk to my wife all the time. Hey, this is what's coming down the pipeline. Should I do this? And so listening to wisdom and really just being intentional with your calendar mm-hmm. is really a way that you can find time. Um, and yeah, just jumping at opportunities and, and trusting God and not fearing like, like your friend, like, oh, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to be overloaded. I can't do that. God will sometimes make a way if that's where he wants us to go, but we just need to take that step. Yeah. Well, and, and again, we wear busyness as this badge of honor as if that's more important than godliness. Like, I'm, And you ask people, you know, how are things going? Oh, I'm so busy. Well, a lot of times that's of your own... Yeah. doing, you know? Yeah. And, and there's just opportunity. I, I know when I first really felt called to go to seminary, it was like, there's zero way that I can do that. But, you know, I talked with Christine about it and, and really we figured out, hey, if you give up these particular things, I quit volunteering with Young Life and, and I was going to do that. So I would wait until my kids would go to bed before I'd start, you know, mm-hmm. watching videos and reading and doing all the stuff, which was great. But like the second the kids would go to bed, I'd start and then I realized I was Blitz and Christina. Like the only time we ever really got together yeah. was after the kids went to bed. And then like as soon as that, like we weren't doing devotional, we weren't doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm still not doing this right. Yeah. You know, and she put up with it for a while. And she was like, this isn't really cool either. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm over here. What about <laughs> you know? me? Because I mean, she had at that point in time, we had four kids, you know, I guess when I started seminary in 2012. So I mean, our kids were 13, between 13 and 7. Okay. And so needed a lot of work and yeah. a lot of help. And like she would have liked at the end of the day to talk to an adult, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I was just blitzing her, yeah. you know. And so where does the margin fit? Where does it work? Do you have wise counsel people, you know, who, mm-hmm. who want the best for you? But again, I just don't know that it would be so bad to go 85% I mentioned because yeah. it was that running on empty was the name of the book. It came to me, but I think that's the number he used. But I don't, I don't care if it's 80% or 90%, whatever you feel good. Would we feel okay with going, I'm going to leave 10% just unbooked mm-hmm. for something to come up? Because I think our thought is, well, well I'm lazy. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're available. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I was just going to say that because you said like we we operate like yeah. being busy is a good thing. Yeah. And like, yeah, we I, I would feel lazy if I'm like, I have nothing to do right now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can just go read a book. I can just sit here yeah. and, you know, like I feel lazy. In, in your notion of abiding and what that really looks like, and, and again, we won't have time to walk through all that, but yeah. there's a great word study. Like if you'd really want to dig in, abiding is the goal. Like abiding is what we're shooting for. Yeah. And I loved your analogy of walking, following the Lord. It's not just the path, it's the person. It's mm-hmm. like I'm abiding in this person. So if he stops, I stop. Yeah. And you get these great pictures of Jesus, you know, wandering out in the wilderness to literally pray to his father. Like, if that's important for Jesus, that should be yeah. <laughs> important for us. Yeah. And we're like, man, I'm all about that path. I'm all about that task, you know? And, and so, yeah, there, there, it, it'd be a new paradigm for us. It'd be a way of figuring out how to do things differently. But I think it would be wise. Yeah. I mean, I'm not just talking to you and me. I know we both struggle in this yeah, area. Yeah. But for everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
Oh, goodness. <laughs> I wish you'd had a better answer. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't figured it out Here, yet. Yeah. Here's how you do it. That <laughs> Three <No>. easy steps <laughs> to creating margin. I don't have the answer either. I threw Brenton under the bus. Couple more good, good questions. Um, towards the end of the message, and, and it was really neat where Paul did truly his first miracle mm-hmm. and, and Moss was blinded in there. But but the question came out from uh, from somebody on a connection card sent this in. What's the line between anger and mercy? Which I thought was a great question. And they, yeah. kind of, they kind of framed it. You know, you see like it was almost like Paul was mad about this you know situation. Yeah. And, and so what's the line? And then they had the great follow-up question. What does righteous anger look like? Mm-hmm. Like they, they understood there is kind of such a thing as righteous anger. Scripture's pretty clear on it. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. And so what do you think? Oh, man. <laughs> I would have dumbed down my sermon had I known <laughs> there was going to be some good questions. Um, so I had to, to kind of like wrap my head around this and go, okay, what is anger? Yeah. Well, anger is being mad or upset or hostile towards something or someone. And then mercy is withholding judgment. And God is perfect at doing both of those things. God is, is perfect at, at his anger, and he's perfectly merciful, mm-hmm. and he does that perfectly at the same time. Yeah. And I'm none of those things. I, I don't do that. I get angry at my kids. So here's where I fall short. <laughs> yes. Again, don't have a good answer for you. Uh, three easy steps to not be. <laughs> Number one, don't be Brenton. Yes. Number two, yeah. Um, and so like I get angry at my kids and then in my anger, I will then withhold mercy and then execute judgment. Um, but I was thinking, I, I think the line between anger and mercy should be drawn with grace and forgiveness. Yeah. I think mm. with grace being undeserved favor and forgiveness is that removal of the debt that somebody owes you. Um, you're not you're not excusing their their, you know, actions or whatever. You're not saying, "Oh, it's fine. It's not a big deal." You're not brushing it under the table, but you're releasing that. You're forgiving that debt. Um, and so I, I think that's what the line is. We can be angry, and, and sometimes it's okay to be angry. Jesus was angry. God was angry. Uh, anger is not bad. You know, oh, Ephesians no. 4.26 says, yeah. in your anger, meaning when you do get angry. Yeah, it's, it's not that you can't. It's when you do, make sure it's righteous anger. Yeah. yeah. That's so, a great passage. So yeah, we can be angry. It is okay. Anger is just an emotion. It's how we respond to that emotion. Um, and so I, I think... We need to exercise self-control. We need to exercise some maturity, some some peacefulness and, and forgiveness yeah. and all of those things. Um, so I think that's the line between grace and, and or, or sorry, anger and mercy yeah. is is drawn with that grace and forgiveness. Well, that, that's, I, I appreciate the answer. And again, I appreciate you being just honest and all this. It's not like even as we're sitting here, oh, I totally nailed this one. I've got yeah. this answer. Like I understand what the answer is supposed to be from scripture. I just struggle doing it. Yeah. But the reason I struggle is the big picture you just painted. I'm not Jesus. Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't get this one. Forgive, if you look at forgiveness as the, the bridge between God's grace and his mercy, well, we don't truly deserve either one of those things. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's the beauty. And I, and I love, again, I can't remember where I... I like to read, and so you pick stuff up, but I didn't come up with this. Grace is when God gives us things we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Mercy is when God doesn't give us the things that we do that deserve. We do deserve. Yeah. Forgiveness is the bridge you know, that mm-hmm. plays in there. We've, we're forgiven for our sin because of professing faith, not because of any amazing thing that we did. And so if we deserve you know, something, that, then we think that we played too big a part in it. God showers grace and mercy on the people that he loves. What does that look like? Yeah. 
well, he's the one who's perfect in, yeah. in that. I will not do that perfectly. I, you know, and and even if we, because of the way we're wired, or because it's our kids, or whatever, and we we err on one side more than the other, God balances them perfectly. Yeah, like. God gets angry over stuff. I mean, that part is real clear in Scripture, and it's always righteous anger. Yeah, and He could wipe us out for it. And there, there are you know nations that have been wiped out. Yeah, you know. And so there's a reality. Do we live in awe and fear of God because of how powerful He is? And then recognize at that same time He is so gracious mm-hmm. because we all deserve yeah. to get wiped out. Yeah. And so it starts making you think bigger picture. I don't know if that helps so much in the individual circumstances that yeah. come out. But like in this situation, I, I I think there are things that we see going on in the world where you're like, dude, it's so easy to get righteously angry over that. Yeah. And I guess the trick then is to make sure our anger stops at being righteous. But I mean, you see things, I don't even want to start down a path that gets us, you know, child sex trafficking. Yeah. Uh, things like that. I mean, like there, there's nothing good about that. All our anger over that should be righteous anger for, for boiling over what God yeah. wants for his yeah. people. Well, there, there's no way that that's a bad thing for us to have those feelings, exactly. as you mentioned about that. Yeah. that. That's honestly honoring to God because he would be and is upset over those things. Yeah. yeah. If, if you, well, I should say if I, if I look at my anger and when I express it in a very unhealthy way. Which it, I do as well. Yeah. It comes out of my pride. It's really this you've made me look bad. Yeah. Like with my yeah. kids, like you've made me look bad in the grocery store. So I have to get angry. Um, it's like a secondary emotion is what we tell our kids. You know, you, you get offended first, then you get angry, but you're really, uh, you're really responding to that offense. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of like, oh, I feel bad or I look bad or you've broken something of mine, so I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it comes from our own sure. perspective. Sure. I think um, unhealthy anger is self-righteous. It is us kind of propping ourselves up and saying, I've been, I've been, you know, mistreated or I've been abused or whatever. And so therefore I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say this so that I can feel better about myself. And you know that I feel better about myself and you feel better about me. I think self-righteous or sorry, not self-righteous, righteous (laughs) anger. That was (laughs) self-righteous anger. That was all self-righteous. I think righteous anger um, looks at the infractions on the imago day of the human being. Mm -hmm. And so we can be angry at like um, uh, abortions, human self, uh, human trafficking, child or elder abuse, murder, injustice, those things, things. because it's an infraction on the value of human life, on the value of, of Jesus dying for, for people, for the world, for loving. And, and so that's, that righteous anger comes from the perspective of God, not from our perspective. Yeah, no, that's, I wish you guys out in podcast land could see me sitting here nodding my head in agreement, because uh, <laughs> Brent was preaching. Uh, but that, that's it. And you mentioned that Imago Day, this idea we're created in the image of God. And so that gives life inherent value yeah. and things that would then not value life, yeah. we can be righteously angry about. I, I think some of it comes in our inability to process anger well mm-hmm. as, as truly an emotion, as a choice. Yeah. I read another great book that I, I give away copies every year. Anger's a choice. Mm-hmm. And so when we show, when we display other emotions, we do it because they naturally, like if, if something's funny, you laugh. You don't ever try and sit and yeah. bottle up your laughter and like, I'm not going to laugh, you know, yeah. and then just blows up. But anger, we do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like we sit on it because we got offended because yeah. we got our pride hurt because mm-hmm. we got whatever. And we're like, well, I'm not supposed to lash out or show this or that, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's too much and boom, we just blow, you know? Yeah. And, and again, it happens a lot with our kids, I think sometimes because yeah. they know the buttons to push. They know us mm-hmm. so well. 
can we process anger the way we process other emotions that God has given us? Yeah. And can we do that in a way where God gets the glory? That's really the question. Now, yes, we have to be able to... You mentioned several things that mm-hmm. immediately go like, oh, that's righteous anger. But we just have to be willing to ask ourselves, am I righteously angry over that? Or am I self-righteously angry yeah. <laughs> over that? So yeah. I appreciate the way you phrase that, because that's really what it comes down to. Like, if that was just me, I should really get over myself. Yeah. But if that was for God's glory, then yes. That's yeah. the thing that I can... Yeah. Well, and we can have righteous anger, but then express it in a in selfish a, yes, way. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. We, we, we can start out in the right spot and end up totally... Yeah, exactly. Like, we could, we could be like, man, I don't like whatever the topic is. Mm-hmm. I don't like this. I'm, you know, God's word says this. And so, yes, this is a righteous anger. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, I'm going to go out and Bible thump somebody. Yeah. And it's like, well, that, no, yeah, you, you, you missed it. <laughs> Went a step you, too far there. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a way that, I mean, again, follow the example of Jesus. Yeah. He handled everything full of grace and truth. And so there was truth, yes. You know, woman, you have been the, the husband or the wife of, of five, five husbands. husbands. Yeah. You've done this wrong, but I love you and go and sin no more. Like yeah. there is this duality of grace and truth that we need to to walk the line. We need to abide in Christ so that when we do get righteously anger about yeah. something or yeah. whatever that is... Well, that, that, let's segue to that last question because okay. you set yourself up really, really well. Um, somebody had, had sent a question in, if we confront wrongdoers, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're talking you know, if you yeah. get righteously angry, you're going to confront somebody. Yeah. Uh, you do, and, and this person who submitted the question obviously has, has had this happen to them. You hear immediately that, well, hey, judge not lest you be judged, yes. you know, and, and it yes. immediately becomes this personal kind of thing. Can we confront, there's the bulk of their question, can we confront without judging? And I think the answer there is yes, for mm-hmm. sure, but practically how? How should a Christ follower lovingly confront someone. Yeah. And let's just use the the scripture that you mentioned where Jesus says, you know, to the lady, yeah, <laughs> you say you don't have a husband, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. had five husbands. You know. when, when Jesus does things like that, mm-hmm. and, and maybe Jesus isn't even the example to look at because he's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and he he does, can do this And perfect. he does it perfectly all the time. Yeah. Uh, I always think of the the woman caught in the act of adultery in John mm-hmm. where they stone, you're going to stone her to death and, and, you know, he bends down and starts writing in the dirt and everybody yeah. splits. I'd love to know what he wrote. Uh, you know, yeah. But but honestly, and, and in my head, I've always thought, well, because it says the older ones start to peel off first. I think he just starts looking out in the crowd and writing down names, Barabbas, and here's your sin. And you know, and he yeah. just starts writing sins. Yeah. And like, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to have my sin publicly confronted. Whatever it is, if you remember at the end of that scene, he stands up to the woman who says, no one to condemn you? And, and she's like, no, as if that surprised Jesus. But do you remember what he said? And he goes, then I don't condemn you either, but go, go, and, yeah, go and leave your life of yeah. sin. How do we lovingly confront someone like that? Hey, what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. And Jesus wants the best for you. And and like, I mean, I think that giving away my answer on that, it's gotta be what Jesus wants for him, not what we want for him. Yeah. How do how do you see that? How do you how do you lovingly confront? Yeah. <laughs> Are you the right person to ask? <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Because, you know, I I think you would admit sometimes that that you struggle. Oh, man, I struggle so badly with this. So, again... What a great question. I have no idea why God (laughs) gave me this sermon. Anyways, um, so I look at at Matthew 7, which is, you know, this, and it talks about um, you can... You're not supposed to judge people. 
which is you're not supposed to be judgmental. You're not supposed to be hypercritical of them and go, look at them, I'm yeah. better than them. Exactly. That is what Jesus is kind of going away from. And that so points when, back to your pride issues. Yeah. You so when people say, well, judge not lest you be judged, mm -hmm. they're meaning it as you're not supposed to tell me what I'm doing wrong, yeah. and I'm not supposed to tell you, and so we're supposed to kind of just live... Well, and they're leaving out the to total context of that passage. Yeah. You know, in the same manner that you act, mm -hmm. that's how you'll be judged. Yeah. We're all judged. We make judgment calls yeah. all the time. Yeah. And some of those you make because God's given you the gift of discernment. Mm -hmm. if, if your kids are out playing in the street, you don't go, oh, isn't that cute? I hope they don't get... You, you yell yeah. at them, like, Good get luck. the snot out of the street. You yeah. know? And and is that judging? Well, sure it is. But, <laughs> but yeah. God's given you charge over those kids to raise them. Like, you're going to judge them yeah. for that. Yeah. Because you're not going to go play in the street. You know? Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's understanding the context of that. I, I think one of the most misused Bible yeah. quotes ever, but we love that one. Judge well, not, lest when, you be judged. And then if you just read the next verse... Exactly. He says... In, this, in order yeah. to take out the speck in your brother's eye, yeah. which is that con confrontation, is that telling them, hey, you, you got a speck in your eye, you have a splinter in your eye, mm -hmm. it's causing you to not see, you need to realize that you have a you giant have a log in your log. own. <laughs> and I, I, I thought about that as, as like, I mean, if you had a literal telephone pole in your eye... And you're, you know, you're looking around and it's just like swinging left and right <laughs> and you walk up to somebody uh -huh. and you, you know, you have to look at them yeah. to, to tell them, Hey, you have a speck. You're just going to smack them upside the head with, with your, your own. Yeah. With your telephone. Yeah. Pole. And so I think for me, like when I'm trying to understand how do I confront this person? Yeah. Well, I need to come at it from a perspective of, Hey, I need God's grace too. Mm -hmm. I am no better than this person. I am not above this person because of my, you know, background or because of because I'm a pastor like no we all come to the foot of the cross needing Jesus mm -hmm. and this person is created in God's image God loves this person as much as he loves me God died for this person as much as he died for me Very and much. so therefore um, I need to go into that conversation with a humble heart yeah. and really go not to hey I'm right you're wrong but to go in and be like hey I see this thing I, I see this thing that's probably hurting you, uh, and and I love you, and I care about you, and I I want what's best for you. I don't want you to to follow my anchor. I want I want to push you back to the anchor of Jesus, and so I'm going to push you there. But then I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to take it sure. where it needs to go. Well, I mean, that and that's the crux of that. There's a lot of confrontation in I'm right, you're wrong, mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of loving confrontation. Yeah. And if what we desire truly, and, and again, I struggle with it. I think every Christ follower, if we're honest, struggle. Like, do I want what I want or do I want what Jesus wants yeah. in that? Yeah. And that's a pretty tough question to, to yeah. try to answer. Yeah. Well, you didn't answer any of these questions today, but thanks. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for playing on Midpoint today. No, uh, they, they were tough questions. They really, really were. But I appreciate your honesty and I appreciate your humility. And I, and I appreciate the fact that you want to get better in this. I see it in you. And, and I think the people who are blessed to be in ministry with you see it in you. And we've all got room to grow on this. Yeah. This is the kind of thing. Until yeah. Jesus comes back, we are all works in progress. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's important that everybody hears that when we preach, it's not because we have it oh, figured out. It's goodness, because no. this is what the Bible says. <laughs> yeah. And we stink at it too. Because yeah, it just... was my turn with this passage and I wish I'd given it to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, oh, this person can do it perfectly. Like, yeah. no, they mess up. Yeah. 
And this is, and, and I know we've talked about this a couple times, and I've I probably shared it more with Forrest and, and Andrew and guys who are coming along and teaching ministry. I'm never a big fan of standing up and preaching that you should do this or you should do that. I think the language always has to be, we should do this, yeah. <laughs> we should do that, yeah. because I am part of this mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for questions. We do have stuff coming up. We're going to continue walking through the Acts of the Apostles this coming week. I'm going to jump back into the rest of chapter 13 and the rest of Paul's journey. And and I haven't wrestled it to the ground yet where we're going, but there's a real strong sense of Paul making sure the gospel is spread. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, we hear this often, especially in the gospel accounts of the, the gospel being good news. And the good news is God loves you, has this plan for you. You profess faith, you're going to spend eternity with him. You're going to be saved from your sins, saved to your relationship with him, however you care to share the gospel. That's great news. But but it's great news because there's bad news. Yeah. If we don't profess faith, all those things yeah. are going to... And, and so Paul's really trying to make sure that there is an understanding of why good news exists, and it's because there is bad news, and I don't know exactly how I'll be yeah. landing that plane, but it's early in the week. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, I would ask folks to, to pray, and I know there are many folks who are praying for us as we're mm-hmm. preparing sermons, uh, pr- praying for you as you're working on song sets to try and lead people into worshiping, yeah. lead people into responding who God is. So we always appreciate the, the prayers for that, but I will say that's all the time we have for questions this week. I certainly hope you enjoyed this week's Midpoint. And if you want to send in questions or thoughts, there's so many ways you can do that. Email or text Podcast at lewistonocc.org. We've had folks recently just filling out connection cards and putting them on there. We've got a box out there in the the Connection Center area where you can drop in your questions. And again, if you just, I promise, find Brenton, find me, find Forrest, find Wes, find anybody, and, and say, hey, I had this question, I had this thought, because I've had a couple of those recently that have yeah. been great, and we'll get those involved here as well. So, and, and I would echo what Brenton said earlier. If you're enjoying the Midpoint Podcast, invite others to listen as well. Yeah. Send them the link on your Spotify, on Apple, however you're listening to it. There's lots of platforms you can get it it's just a great joy for us to know that people are, are engaging yeah, in this yeah. so and this ministry is growing like i'm yes we are seeing the, numbers yeah some of the figures and i was like oh awesome like the, the, this is this is blessing other people to where yeah. they want to keep tuning in and yeah. hear the sermons and then hear the discussion so it's great a friend of mine from uh years ago years ago had uh, just posted on social media asking hey which podcast do you listen to i was like this is my shot you know <laughs> i just put the link have i got a podcast yeah. for you and I, and I told him, i was like hey here's one that we do you know it's just walking through sermon stuff and yeah. i know they listened and i was like this is fun yeah to me so find ways to do that that i think helps everybody. God is going to get the glory in that. I would say be sure to join us in services as well. Sunday mornings, 9 and 1030. And if you miss that Sunday service, you are not missing church. Monday night at 7 p.m. You can come and join us. And that is a real, real party. We hope you get a chance to check out Monday night sometime. We hope to see you all very, very soon. Be well. Know that you are so loved by God and by Orchard's Community Church. Amen.